Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. have a collect call from an inmate at Hillsborough Correctional Facility. Peggy. Hey, you want us to come get you? No, no, listen, I got my truck. Hey! Honey, baby, give me a break. We ain't seen each other in a long time. I got steaks, I got booze, I got beer. We are hanging out tonight. You bought a new TV, huh? I did. Your mind's bigger, but... <laughs> it says you got in. Did I get in? I was early acceptance. Oh! You know, someday I'm gonna make a lot of money, Dad. You don't have to work so hard, okay? When she goes to UCLA, she should get a degree in marketing or something. What do you know about it? It's called social networking. My balls got social networking. <laughs> All of us together. Hey, what's up? It's Frank. Yeah, you just uh, you just keep going on 93 North for a while, and then you'll uh, you'll see my shop. to see the uh, only place with this light on. Who's coming over, Frank? Oh, this kid. He's coming by. Meet my boys, guys. This is Chad Walker. Entertain our guests, please. I got a story for you. Look at that. <laughs> what are you talking about out there? Are <laughs> you joking about something? What do I do here? I've been working in this shop for over 10 years, trying to give my daughter a future. What the hell's going on here, Frank? I ruined Crystal's life. We're going to kill him. My father is going to sue the shit out of me. How are we going to get out of this? You didn't think about it. No, no. I wanted tonight to be special. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 373. Releasing October 1 on Video On Demand and Digital is Small Engine Repair, a black comedy drama that tells the story of three lifelong friends who find themselves in a situation that will test the boundaries of their loyalty and friendship. Starring John Bernthal and Shay Wiggum, the wonderfully performed and crafted Small Engine Repair also marks a feature film directorial debut of John Polono, who also wrote and stars in the film. And I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. John, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Matthew. It's my pleasure. So Small Engine Repair, this was based on a play that you wrote back in 2011. I had a run in LA, had a run in New York off Broadway. Very successful um, runs, both there won many awards. I'm curious, in regards to the transition of film, was it evident to you that the materials there that could seemingly transition over to the film medium? Um, well, you know, that's a really good question. So in terms of making an independent film, a lot of the advice you get on or it just sort of logistically, it's always like, hey, if you can have a movie 
that primarily takes place in one location, it's going to be easier to manage. You know, mm. time is money, moving is money. So that always lent itself to being cool and uh, uh, doable. Um, and uh, the stakes in small and repair the play, unlike a lot of plays which have sort of abstract stakes or thematic stakes, small and repair, though, you know, attempts to be very deep thematically, the stakes are very visceral. <laughs> so that lends itself to film. In terms of opening it up and, and making it a film, I mean, it was pretty intimidating and in just in the sense of I was just so close to the material and I knew what worked. You know, when you're in a play, the audience doesn't lie. So the, the, the material, the lines, the, the plot twists, the characters, so much of that is so battle tested. And the audience is telling you night after night after night and responding in a way. And, you know, look, Matt, it's what's cool about a play is you'll do it one night and you'll have a crowd that dies laughing and you can barely get the lines out. And then you'll do it another night and they're completely silent. Yeah. And no one experience is better or worse for that particular audience. You can't judge them. But what you do is you start to understand the material and how it can work on different levels. And so it was really taking that. And, you know, John Bernthal, who was in the original cast, he and I very early on, sort of as a dream, as a pipe dream, sitting in his shitty old F-150, we're like, man, we got to make this a movie. We just got to keep doing stuff like this. And then, you know, 10 years later to do it, it was the really harnessing what worked in the play, utilizing everything that he and I had learned, work collaborating with incredible directors, working on great projects for myself, continuing to write and really applying all those lessons into this. And then the themes and the central sort of plot that was created in 2011 around the 2011 technology, you know, updating that to modern times, it, it only made the story more relevant, sadly. And, and a lot of the stuff that happens more ubiquitous now than it was then. So it just seemed that the material was ready to, to come out uh, now. The way you just said was really interesting because it comes to my next question. To me, the film, a lot of the film has to deal with these old school guys really facing the, the complications and ugliness of this kind of like new digital landscape. As, you know, when the film came out, and uh, when the play came out in 2011, social media was really kind of like just starting to kind of bubble and take off. Facebook was starting to get traction in colleges, et cetera. Now that you're releasing this film in 2021 and social media is so prevalent and so much going on, does the, does the material change in a sort of way? in the way that people talk about social media, the way they approach social media, Instagram, for example, something they talk about quite a lot in the movie um, that didn't exist back in 2011. Yeah. In the play in 2011, it was Foursquare, which right. was so new that a lot of the audience was like, I never heard of that before. And then they kind of looked into it and some people knew it. And, you know, the character of Sueno in the play was a guy who like got his first smartphone and was mm -hmm. like, how does Facebook work? How does this all work? Which was very, truthful at the time to people I knew. And, and, you know, when the, when the, when the play was written where I was in my age and everything, I, I created Frank and those guys were basically like Frank had basically gotten his high school girlfriend pregnant and raised her when he was kind of a, a kid himself. And 10 years later, I'm in my forties, that narrative piece didn't last. So stuff had to change. And one of the things that changed was, yes, the, the, the world of the movie, those characters is sort of, you know, working class and non-technologically adept, except for Packy, 
they they have a deeper familiarity with social media than they did in 2011. However, there are still a, a lot of things to be learned. You know, I know, you know, people I grew up with and guys I know, it's like, you know, you see them suddenly on Instagram and they paste, they post one photo every like 10 months. Right. That's kind of who these guys are, except yeah. for Pac. So, so yeah, it was, it was updating it, but it's been in, in, in particular, how much more, uh, how much more people are checking in now uh, to stuff on Facebook, like letting you know wherever you are at any given moment. And like nothing of your life is just for you. It's all projected out there. And it was sort of taking Foursquare, but now the evolution of that being Instagram, being an even more believable, urgent Hitchcockian device to use. Um, You mentioned John Bernthal before. He was like part of the original cast during that LA run especially played a character of Swaino. When it comes right. to putting together a independent production, having the name like that attached to it, how much does that how far does that go in getting your film up and running? Oh, it's huge. Um I mean look, John and it, you know, let me just start off by saying, you know, John and I are sort of creative partners. And even if he didn't, even if he wasn't sort of a celebrity or whatever, I would work with him in a heartbeat. Mm. He's awesome. That being said, you know, he brings a lot. And certainly at the budget level we did, it brings a lot. You know, when you do an independent film, it's a little bit, it's surprising, I think, to people how much pressure there is to cast names at a very low budget. Yeah. Because you have to hang things on that. Obviously, you know, I have a career as a screenwriter and as a playwright, but John being associated with something definitely elevates it and gets people interested like, oh, it must be legit if he's doing it. Mm -hmm. So then they're more apt to read the script and stuff. And, you know, John's, I mean, look, he's the type of dude that when he's on a set, a movie or a TV set, he just is who he is. He's such like a real down to earth, like loving guy that people gravitate towards him. So when he made the indie, John called in a ton of favors, everyone from like our AD to makeup to special effects guys. I mean, our fight choreographers were Marvel guys. They did, uh, you know, Punisher and they do Marvel movies. I mean, one of the guys who gets beat up in the bar is like the stunt double for fucking Captain America. So you get people who are just passionate about getting behind people that they care about. And, you know, I consider them friends now, but initially you get someone like John Bernthal calling them and they're like, yeah, man, I I believe in it. And then they read the script and they get what it is. So, you know, I think one of the key facets of making an independent film is, is creating an underdog story around it and having people want to help and be part of that and create this family. And, you know, certainly the material of small engine repair and being provocative and edgy and and different, really, we, we gathered a lot of momentum for that. People wanting to be a part of that. And and to, to answer your question though, having John's name was massively uh, uh, important from a tactical standpoint, as well as artistic. New to the world of small engine repair, Shay Wiggum, and along with John, you you cast pretty much two of my favorite actors like working oh, today in, in your movie. I mean, I love both these guys. Shay, I just seen recently in another film, and he's just I think he's on top of his game more than more than ever. Um, getting him on board the film, I, from what I understand, he was friends with John, and that's kind of like how that connection happened. Yeah, you know, they had walked, worked together, they knew each other. And I mean, I was obviously a huge fan of him, but I, I wasn't sure he could pull this off because I saw him more as a heavy. 
Mm. And then John was like, no, he's really funny. The guy's super dedicated. I mean, you know, there's so many different ways to go with Packy. And, you know, what I had learned in sort of doing the various stage productions with wonderful actors like Michael Redfield and James Ransone, like great interpretations of it. And there's a lot of flexibility to it. But Packy has to be funny, but really, really deep. Like you have to be an incredible actor to really pull it off, of which Shay is. So John sent him the script, told him what we were all about. Shay and I had a couple conversations and we just hit it off. We had a lot of mutual friends. And then, you know, and then we rehearsed the movie like you do a play. We sat at a table in my in my office, the three of us, and we just went over the script for months. And I would take their input and I would go rewrite and we would come back. And, and, and then the, 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 the role of Packy started to evolve to be in Shay's wheelhouse with his you know, collaborative organic version of that, just much in the same way I did with John. And the the three of those guys, the movie doesn't work if there's not real chemistry and love between the, them. Yeah. And as the writer, you know, my directing really started on the page, obviously. And with actors of that caliber, you really just want to get them, you want to harness their talent and then let them do their thing. And that started on the page. And, and these characters are all sort of, the unity of opposites, you know, they Shay's interpretation of the character and where he's going with Packy then informs some rewriting of what Sueno is and what Frank is. And they're all, none of them are existing without the other ones because they're kind of one unit, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, we had the time to do that. So by the time the cameras were rolling, all three of us at that point, Shay had become like a, someone I loved even before cameras were rolling because of the artist he is and because of the relationship we developed. And it was just harnessing that. So, you know, and he's someone who's very important in my life now. I mean, because of the experience of this, I mean, I think he is a true artist in every sense of the word and, and that's infectious. And, you know, John is, you know, like a brother. And I think I'm just astounded by his talent as well, but they worked very differently and we all just kind of supported each other. It was really a, a very unique actor driven on-set experience. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show.
My next question comes from a, a place of ignorance here because I haven't seen the play, so I'm not really sure. I imagine, though, that the medium of film can do stuff with your story that the, the play experience cannot in. I'm especially referring to, say, like the flashback sequences. Um, one of them, which I thought was, uh, was absolutely brilliant, was how um, Packy describes a, a uh, baseball game and watched with um, the, his friends along with their fathers. And it's just a, it's a, it's a such a funny, uh, but at the same time disturbing kind of scene. And just right. the way that it plays out is so terrific. Does having the the medium of film does that change the way that you that you approach your story, the way that you can kind of take certain scenes, do certain things with them, put them in different places? You can go backwards in time, forwards in time, dream sequences, fantasy sequences, etc. I mean, you can do so many things with it, can't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for sure. You know, it, it's both a blessing and a curse. I mean, theater, you're limited as to what you can do. And so you just don't think about those things. You just be, you're just as creative as you can be within the confines of that. It's like Shakespeare wrote a sonnet. There's a very strict structure to that, but he wrote some of those beautiful writing and so many of them. So sometimes limitations can really unlock that creativity. In this case, it was intimidating at first to be like, there's no rules in film. And one thing I noticed pretty early on was that the movie is darker. It's more nuanced. It's more grounded. And mm. it's, it's just more dangerous in a way um it's less funny if the the humor is sort of thrown away like i would argue that this movie i mean look people loved the play and they saw it multiple times and they would see it again and they'd be like oh shit the breadcrumbs for the plot are laid out in plain sight the whole time it's the same with the movie that being said i think if you watch it a second time you're going to get a lot more of the humor which I, you know look that's been my experience with a lot of movies whether tarantino or scorsese or or you know jane campion you know some of her movies you see and you're like oh my god this is so disturbing i'm on edge and then you go back and you watch again and you're really allowed to see some of the subtleties and a lot of the irony and stuff in there <laughs> so the movie was like you don't have to create moments that can be reproduced again and again and again on the stage you can be a little more daring a little messier and create stuff and just bottle it up um i'm sorry am i did i segue too much off your no 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 question? go go absolutely keep going keep going <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, the biggest change from the from the play to the movie was the inclusion of the women. They're referred yeah. to, um, you know, a lot of stuff that's referred to in the play that's there because all you have is dialogue. You know, that's your only real tool in action. But you're limited to what what you tell the audience to some extent and what you're using that exposition to sort of deepen the characters and do that. Well, in film, you can, you know, have that. So the heart of the play is Crystal and you never see her in flesh. And so in the movie, she's there because the movie doesn't work if you don't have that heart. So that opened that said, here's what you have to do. And then same with Karen and having her being sort of a force of nature and having that filmic tool that you can do. And again, you do a play. You can't just haphazardly add characters and actors each time you add an actor in a play, especially what this small injury pair, which is like a very gritty one act play that didn't require a ton of, you know, uh, uh, like pyrotechnics or special effects or anything, yep. keeping it rustic. You don't want to add a huge cast. Um, you want to keep it as contained as possible. Or as a movie, obviously, you can open up that more. And then, then, you know, in terms of those flashbacks, it was a very sort of tactical decision where, I mean, look, the, the package flashback is deeply thematic and incredibly essential to really understand the emotional arc of the film. Yeah. 
especially if you watch the movie and you see how, you know, the, the slapping of the face they get by the fathers, that sort of motif is used throughout the film as something, a, a form of a, like a toxic cycle of communication that these guys have. So you needed that. And then I didn't want to just throw in a flashback. I was like, well, how do we create symmetry? Again, symmetry of the characters. And it was allowing them each to have their own sort of short film. That one would open up the the sort of claustrophobia of the of the uh, of the shop, and then two really kind of just have a breath and deepen those characters and have us realize that each one of those little vignettes are a window into a, a deep window into the psyche of those characters. That subconsciously you get them much much better by having those windows. And and obviously if you do that in film, it's much better than it's just a different tool than having a character just monologue and tell you that story because you as an like Sueno in his monologue of that particular story in the play, he tells it and you have to be a very keen listener to say, I think he's probably full of shit about this. Mm. I think he's amping it up. Well, then when we did the, the film version of it, the first shot of it is like, he's there with all his quote unquote work friends who love him, who are so much better than these guys. But we see in that dynamic that he's not part of that family. No. That they, he, he is not the cool guy in that crowd. And I think it, it, it lends a great degree of path pathos to him, but it also really shows the facet of his character that we're exploring in the movie that he's kind of full of shit and he's a blowhard um, in that it's like a type of sort of masculinity. That's just all in bravado and all that stuff with John plays beautifully that in fact, that character is much more complicated and vulnerable than he wants to let onto the world, which again is thematic to the whole movie. So yeah, that, that was a great opportunity to do it and just really fucking go for it with my DP and with everything else with the music and the way every one of those is shot was like really fun way to delve into the characters and have different, like, you know, it felt very European, like different short films within our film. Final question here, you know, during the time that the film first came out to now, a lot of things have changed in, in, in your life. I mean, you've established a, a career as a screenwriter, now as a director and also as an actor. You also became a father during that time. I'm also a father as well. I'm a father of two boys. And um, the whole thing regarding social media, I've got to be honest, scares the absolute living shit out of me in regards to how my kids should approach it. And, you know, because you just hear these stories and it's something that comes up. It's very prevalent in your movie as well in regards to the whole toxic nature of, of social media. You know, when you look, when you reapproach your material uh, as compared now as a father, as compared to who you were back in 2011, does that also shape, uh, reshape the way um, that you were reapproached the material small engine repair for your film as, a, as opposed to being a young man and making that play way back when? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just to clarify, I mean, my daughter was very young, but I, I was a father and, and being a father of a young girl was actually probably the biggest inspiration for the sort of dark emotion that you feel when you're a guy and you have a daughter or any child, but specifically having a daughter, I sort of, that was the the sort of jumping off point for the, for the play. Um, I've had a son subsequently since then. And I, and I did deepen it because having a daughter, it's very much like, you know, here's my shotgun. Who's trying to date my daughter. I don't necessarily prescribe to that, but sometimes it's hard not to right. having a son in, in really, having a son made me really relive a lot of sometimes painful memories of my father and I, the good ones and the bad ones and how you want to correct that. But it really it was a window into my own youth in a way. 
And I took some of that into this, in particular, the stories about the dads and all that stuff. And, and you know, some of the rage of the characters and, and you know, how I you definitely struggle with temper. I do. It's sort of my upbringing and things. And the few times I've lost my temper around my son in realizing, wow, I'm imprinting that on him and having to be so smart about that and having a great wife who really keeps that in check. That element was very uh, front in, in the movie, and in particular that scene you're talking about with Packy and Shay of, of, of really being very scary and honest about what that's like to create that environment for a son from a father and how that has devastating long-term effects. So yes, absolutely to your point. And, you know, social media, I think, look, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think the movie's trying to shit on that. I mean, look, there's some wonderful aspects of it, but there's yes. some very, very dangerous uh, moments right now. And I mean, the biggest, you know, to me, the worst thing about social media now is, is it it's robbing us of nuance and it's mm. creating such division and such anonymous sniping of things and creating a, a sort of commodity of snark and of taking people out um, from a, di- from a safe distance. And that gets amplified very, very easily and taking these sort of gender dynamics that are just being amplified with that. And I think that's really, I'm with you, man. I think it's really scary for, for girls and boys, for everybody. And it's particularly dangerous. And again, Matthew, I don't know exactly how old you are, but like, I wasn't, I'm assuming you weren't born with a smartphone in your hand. Like no, sir. No, no, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like that Bane quote. You know what I mean? They're like, remember when Bane was beating the shit out of Batman and he's like, you chose darkness. I was born in it. It's like, (laughs) we, we learned about social media, but like our kids are literally born in it. Yeah. I hear, I think, I think the term is, um, for us, we're digital uh, citizens, but for them, they're digital natives. Like it's something that's part of their world. Um, yeah, yeah I know, and it's, it's 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 such a it's a crazy thing to really kind of navigate. But you know, we just have to try our best with with our kids, and just you know, hopefully they take on the lessons that we pass on to them. And um, look, I, I got to say that uh, I really loved Small Engine Repair, John. It's one of my I was saying to off air before we we recorded here that was it's one of my favorite films of the year. And I, and for for one of one of those reasons is what we just talked about right there. As a parent, you just approach some of these situations and you, you think about it sometimes. And I think you really, you really, you know, hit the nail on the head in regards to a lot of that commentary. And, and on top of that, the great performances, the great writing, and also a great direction from you as well. You really, there's so many surprises on where the story went and the different uh, different things that you, you utilised in, in telling the story. It's just so terrific. And for everyone out there listening, October 1, Video on Demand in Digital, I highly recommend everyone watch this film. If you want to watch great um, f- filmmaking, great characters and great writing all in one, Small Engine Repair is the movie for you. And John Paulino, I thank you so very much for joining me today and, and, and thank you so much for your film as well. I can't wait to okay. see what else you got in the future. Well, I really appreciate that, Matthew. Thank you so much for those kind words and getting the word out. And, you know, now more than ever, it's hard because you create art and it's just sort of floating out there and we're also separate. So it's just beautiful to hear your interpretation of it. And it really, you know, it's very, very validating. So thank you so much.